Kirk gets enough credit for everything he does for our offense, for everything he does for our team. I'm extremely confident in him as long as we can hold up enough for him to have some time back there. Uh, I think we're a really close-knit group. Uh, we have a great group on offense. We have a great group on defense. Uh, our locker room is really tight. They're definitely a fun group to play with. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 70 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, week 13 edition. The Minnesota Vikings are still alive in the playoff hunt. I'm joined by Gabe Henderson and Jay Nelson from Vikings.com. The emotional roller coaster continues, boys. Uh, We get out with a real close one against the Panthers, and we got the 1-10 in Jaguars coming to town for the penultimate home game of the season. Before we get into the Jags, I want to hit on a couple of quick points here from the Panthers game. Uh, The first one is pretty simple. This was the first time all season that the Vikings overcame errors to get a win. We've, We've seen that game, Jay, over and over and over, and we've seen those mistakes the two, the two costly turnovers, the muffed punt, we've seen those mistakes cost us games that could have changed the season. Uh, and the script finally and luckily flipped this past Sunday. Yeah, that when they came out and they, they got the two fumbles for, for touchdowns right after the half started, I just... It, I started getting goosebumps going, here comes uh, Seattle all over again, right? It was that whole thing where the first half you get done, you march down at the end of the half, you kick a field goal, and you're just thinking, we're going to get the ball back, let's get the double dip, see if we can get a 10-point lead there, you know, a 10-point swing. And in a matter of literally minutes and seconds, you all of a sudden went from being up to down 21-10 to 10 in a blink of an eye. And it was everyone's heart sank everyone was feeling a little discouraged saying oh no not again a little charlie brown syndrome but it was nice to see the perseverance and the tenacity of this team come out and to see kirk lead him down the field even when later in the game you had the missteps that you did you had the muff punt by bb to be able to see some of the redemption story kick in at the end was was really fun and and great for this team to see even though you had to to bite your fingernails to to hope they shanked a kick at the end so you could hold on to win but overall it was a great game it was nerve-wracking and it was good to be on the winning side of that one Gabe on Sunday we talked about a game of sevens you had four uh four people with seven receptions each BC Justin Jefferson Kyle Rudolph Chad Beebe the 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 two guys that everybody is kind of talking about here though is bc johnson and chad Beebe, both guys who i think a lot of fans have been waiting for them to step up i think for for quite some time now a lot of fans feel like this this team has been lacking a third wide receiver option so i've got a couple of questions here my first one is do you think the lack of adam thielen that created this production do you think that is that is the sort of thing that elevated these guys and there's capable and because of the sort of I don't want to say conservative, but the sort of calculated offense that this team runs and the time of possession football that they like to play and the, the grind you out tough beat you uh, style with which they carry themselves? Is it just maybe that that doesn't lend to having a high target third wide receiver option and that's why we haven't seen these guys elevate? Or is this game going to be a kickoff and you're going to see either BB or BC just be a revelation as the season uh, rolls to a close here? I think it's a combination of all three, right? I mean, like BC, a guy like him, he started out at the beginning of the season as your ex receiver because Justin Jefferson's still trying to learn the plays. And it's not what BC didn't do, it's what Justin Jefferson did do when he actually got a chance to play against the Tennessee Titans. And then Chad Beebe, you know, he's been in and out, you know, um, hasn't played much. And then when he gets his opportunity, it's like, oh, look, we actually have a reliable third down receiver. And I think it's a it's a combination of Adam Thielen being out as well as Smith Jr. I mean, you got to think a, a lot of our sets are with two tight ends and we keep Smith Jr. in to keep a linebacker on the field. So with that being the case, now you got B.C. Johnson and Chad Beebe making big plays with Adam Thielen out. I think it only adds, you know, confidence to what we can do uh, from from a receiving standpoint. And and right now, as as we are 
uh, seeing a lot of teams stack the box on Dalvin Cook, and we haven't rushed for 100 yards. We only rushed for 100 yards, uh, I think, once in the last three games, four games. I, I think this is a revelation to basically say, like, hey, we're, we're still going to stick by the run, but we have a, a legit five receivers that can go out there and catch the ball, and we can rotate them in and out and, and, and be successful while doing so. So B.C. Johnson, Chad B.B., I really think, you know, this is their time to shine alongside Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was alluding to, Gabe, with, you know, you see a lot of heavier sets. You see a lot of two tight ends. You see a lot of C.J. Ham. So there's maybe not the opportunity with this team for a third wide receiver that there are with some of your more high-flying five wide receiver on the field type of football teams. Uh, but the other question is, when it comes to the third wide receiver spot, given what Justin Jefferson has now proven he's capable of doing on the field where he can he can catch it all over the place, but he can really stretch the field. And on the other side, you have Adam Thielen, who is such a reliable possession receiver, who also has the ability to get to get behind you. There's kind of, Jay, that that third spot role is is maybe even a bit specific. And these are two very different guys. B.C. Johnson and Chad Beebe are two. They're both good receivers, but they're very, very different receivers. And if one of them elevates here, it might just be because they fit the need given the other skills of the other players on the offense. Yeah, and I think also part of, for me, what attributed for this game as well, besides having feeling gone, was the situation that they found themselves in there for the second half. They were playing from behind by, by at least two scores, and so they had to throw the ball more. And I think if Carolina was willing, especially at the end of the game, to just rush three three pass rushers at that point, then that means you're going to be going four and five wide more often trying to hit big chunks down the field now because of both of their personalities, because of both of their skill sets. Part of the, the thing in the past was there were situations at times where in a big moment they throw it to them and they might drop the ball. If they're getting to the point now where they're more reliable here and they're they're having a seven catch game and let's string it into another, you know, four to five plus catch game for the next one, I think that also shows then Kubiak has the ability to put more of those those sets out on the field more often as long as they feel like they're gonna get the pass pro and as long as they feel like someone like uh, Delvin isn't necessarily going to be usable at that point because if he was injured and they were feeling like they need to put more more playmakers out there, they know they can trust those guys. So to me, I think you're right in that they both have a different skill set. I think that BC and Chad both can bring something different to the table, but that also means then in those formations where they're going to be used, I think that those guys have to produce and it just has to be as consistent as possible when they're out there for them to trust it. Um, I think Kirk is a, a quarterback who plays with trust with his players. If he trusts you, you're going to get more targets. And and if they can do this now for a couple games leading to the back end of the season, that's only going to help their case to get more playing time when they're on the field. And, and you make a really good point, especially early there, uh, Jay, in, you know, the amount of the amount of targets that just existed in this game, because this is an offensive unit that doesn't have I mean, even over the past few years, doesn't have receivers with high target rates. You know, coming into this game, our, our leading target getter on the seat is in, is Adam Thielen at around seven. And then you go and you look at uh, at the box score of this game and B.C. Johnson had seven targets. Jefferson, 13, Rudolph, 8, Chad, BB, 7. Hell, Dalvin Cook had 4. So this was a pretty exceptionally high target game for the receivers and and tight ends and running backs on this team. The only other thing I want to talk about here before we jump into the Jacksonville game is obviously Cousins is a lightning rod. We talk about it week in and week out. And he came through big time in that game. It it was such an interesting end because, you know, we were a, we were a slopped kick away from people talking about Teddy Bridgewater and his launch into the sun that got somehow brought down by Curtis Samuel there at the end of the game. But a ton of credit needs to go to Kirk Cousins' direction. And given the fact that in that two-minute offense, you know, this is something that I've been talking a lot about this week. I thought his ability to recognize the defensive package that was on the field 
and not race up to clock the ball, but more understand he was in a really advantageous situation where he could sit back there with only three guys rushing and pick a defense apart. I thought that to me was as impressive as the throws that started the drive or the throws that finished the drive. I thought that showed this brain that you hear, you know, everybody talks about Kirk's ability to come through and this and that, but something you hear about in the facility a lot is Kirk's game study, his brain, how he understands defenses and he understands what the offense should be doing. And as Gabe, this season winds down and Delvin is getting a lot of work. And we saw last year, week 11 to 17, Delvin, A, we had a little bit of an injury issue, but B, his yards per carry came down a little bit. You get late in the season, as Jay said, you're getting the box stacked heavy. You know, is this a situation where you're going to see Kirk Cousins adjusting at the line of scrimmage and and seeing man coverage with guys in the box and taking a few shots downfield? Are you going to see the Vikings shake it up a bit and go into hurry up here and there and let Kirk catch people in situations like he did at the end of this game? Do you do you foresee any sort of different approach from the Cousins side of this offense as we walk towards uh, as we walk towards the end of the season? I think you will have more room to make audibles on the go, but I, I don't see anything changing. And like Jay said, you were just in a weird spot. The, the first two plays of the second half were two uh, touchdowns for the other team. So uh, if we're in a situation where we have to play from behind, yes, of course, Kirk is going to play. Uh, have to be re- dependent on more. I mean, he this is his first game this year with over, over 40 pass attempts. So I, I don't think I don't think that's going to change. I think you still run the ball first with Dalvin Cook and then Kirk, you know, makes adjustments off of that. But I don't, I don't think you change what, what you're doing. I think it's, it's, it's pretty much game on. You, you keep going with what, with what works. This is just one game. Well, Jay, so let me, let me play the fan here. Let me play some of the DMs that I got because uh, I had put a tweet out about how well Cousins played and then I got hit with some, some DMs. And the other side of that conversation, because I happen to agree with Gabe, but you hear a lot of people saying, okay, yeah, this was his first game with over 40 passes, but it also happened to be a game without your best wide. Re- I know Justin Jefferson's playing well, but Adam Thielen's a, a pro bowler. He's been here, you know, so it's without at the very least one of your top weapons. And you went out and you put 28 points on the board and you were able to move the ball throwing it all over the place. And you did have a nice offensive output, even with two really, really bad turnovers. Is there a case to be made to do what, you know, as Gabe and I sit here and and kind of agree on that point, is there a case to be made to do the opposite, to go, hey, maybe you unleash it a little bit. Maybe, maybe, obviously this always starts with Delvin and you got to run the ball, but maybe you unleash it a little bit and see what 45 throws looks like a couple times in a row when you don't make mistakes. I think uh, if you're the Vikings coaching staff and the Vikings offense at this point, you actually welcome this because that means now that defensive coordinators for the rest of the season are going to have to sit there and say, this is not necessarily just a stack the box situation for this Vikings offense. Delvin Cook is not the only weapon, even if a superstar like Adam Thielen is out of this game. So this means that if these guys are going to have this kind of game, and like I said before, if you can stack these and do two or three games where you have this kind of production from these guys, if you need it, then all of a sudden that means there's a whole lot more planning and a whole lot more studying going on for these defenses. So is it possible? And should we open the offense up like this? If it works? Yes. But the problem is, is that if you're technically you've been built around a run heavy offense with the Delvin type, well, if Delvin potentially, you know, he's shown up on the injury report with an ankle and that kind of stuff. And you've got a team like Jacksonville coming in, who's one in 10, but there's still no slouch then if you need to flip the switch and and change it up because the running game isn't working, you know you have the ability to do this. And I think as as a Vikings coaching staff and as an offense, I think for the wide receivers, period, and the tight ends, you got to be excited to know that if we have to, we're going to open this thing up and we can still put up some serious points. Yeah, and it's not like the Panthers are the best defense in the league, but they're coming off a shutout. Now that was against a Lions team that was clearly ready to quit on Matt Patricia. I don't care. Shutting out anybody in the NFL is a difficult task. This wasn't this wasn't a bottom feeder defense. And so so to go out and perform on that level and and like you said, put some things on tape like 13 Justin Jefferson targets, that absolutely 
uh, is a good thing. Speaking of Adam Thielen, join Adam Thielen and the Salvation Army in providing food, shelter, and care for our neighbors in need. It's very simple. You can just text SKOL, that's S-K-O-L, text SKOL to 24365 to donate today. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins is back again, teaming with legendary sports anchor Mark Rosen, Rosie, to deliver unique content via Under Center with Kirk Cousins. The series features conversations and current Vikings players, prominent Minnesotans, and guests with personal connections to Kirk. Other segments focus on game reaction with sound from press conferences and the locker room. Cousins and Rosen also look ahead to the next week's matchup. Listen live each week on KFAN FM 100.3 or download the podcast on all popular podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. For more information, visit vikings.com slash Kirk. Uh, let's move from last week to this week. The Jacksonville Jaguars are coming in. Jay says they are no slouch. I say they are kind of a slouch, but that doesn't mean that they can't beat you they're one in ten they're clearly in the race for trevor lawrence which somehow at one in ten they feel hilariously behind in that race uh they won week one and then have lost 10 straight games now to jay's point gabe the last four have been interesting yes they lost to a very good pittsburgh steelers team 27 to 3 but the other three games in that stretch are a two-point loss to a Cleveland Browns team that's battling for the playoffs, a four-point loss to an elite Green Bay Packers team, and another two-point loss to a Houston Texans team that has found some life since the removal of Bill O'Brien. This is a Jaguars team that has the number one toughest second-half schedule in the NFL. So at the very least, you have guys who are playing for their careers, playing for their jobs, regardless of what happens. Like these players and these coaches are playing for their livelihoods and they're used to playing good football teams. So after slipping up against the Cowboys and then getting a big win against the Panthers, I'm with Jay. I think you have to, you obviously you never don't come ready, but you better have your head on straight on Sunday. For sure, and this is a Jacksonville Jaguars team when you look at the remaining schedule with the Tennessee Titans, Ravens, Chicago Bears, and Colts. This is probably the only winnable game for them if you're a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. You're saying, hey, this is a Minnesota Vikings team that you know we can probably hang our hat on and try to get a win at U.S. Bank Stadium. They've only won two games at U.S. Bank Stadium. So you, you, like you said, you, you have to come in ready to play. I mean, I, I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars should have won last week against the Cleveland Browns. They get a field goal block, and then they miss an extra point. That's four points right there that they could have got back, and they lose by two points. So this is a team that, that are, I would say, starting to find their identity. And the Minnesota Vikings, we, we've seen this before. We've seen, you know, uh, we've played a team that, that was coming off one win that just fired their head coach, and – they came to U.S. Bank Stadium, and, and they beat us, and they beat us pretty bad. The Atlanta Falcons is who I'm talking about. So I'm not going to say that's the case, but you got to think that there's a lot of similarities between that Atlanta Falcons team and this uh, Jacksonville Jaguars team regarding uh, what they're going through internally coming to U.S. Bank Stadium, um, looking for a win against a team that's still trying to find their identity. And and you want to talk similarities. I know you're talking the Falcons game. Let me, let me talk Cowboys game here. Uh, the Cowboys, we talked about it walking into that game. I thought that the return of Andy Dalton provided a level of stability that created an environment that bred regression in, in the category of their turnover problems, and just their overall mistakes. It was a stability moment. And I think part of what you saw in that Cleveland game last week, Gabe, was Mike Glennon. I mean, Gardner Minshew is Gardner Minshew. He he started, he plays seven games. But you had a guy in there the last three before, Jake Lutton, who is – I mean, I hope Jake Lutton has a fantastic career. But Jake Lutton – is not a guy who should be in that position right now. And Mike Glennon, you know, whether you want to poke at his contract that he got in Chicago, his time before that, it is a guy who has been in moments. 
This is a guy who has started games. This is a guy who is a viable backup in this league. And if he walks into the building, we talk about this every week, Jay, and he plays a mistake-free football and the Vikings don't clean up this pattern of mistakes that they seem to be turning in week in and week out, that's how you take a 1-10 in 10 team that you should walk through and turn them into a 1-10 in 10 team that is all of a sudden dangerous. Like you had said, you know, this they're 1-10, in 10, so they are hungry. They're playing for their careers. And I think when you have a guy like Mike Glennon, that the one of the little nuggets for Mike Glennon was he was the quarterback that got swapped out in week five when Mitch Trubisky came in and played for the very first time against the Minnesota Vikings. So when he, when he was at the Chicago Bears, you know, Glennon, Glennon has had some run in this league. And if you're one in 10, what you're saying as a Jaguars organization is we need to make a change regardless, anything, throw anything at the wall to see if it sticks. And what you saw was increased production. They were able to get 25 points against a tough Cleveland team this season. Now that means you have a week of film on Mike Glennon. So the Vikings defense at least aren't coming in cold with a quarterback you haven't seen in four years. But at the same point, that means that if there's a shot in the arm and now he's more comfortable with the offense, he's more comfortable with the running back and the wide receivers and the tight ends, then that means that Mike's going to walk in here in favorable conditions in a, a U.S. Bank stadium and be able to, again, put up some some yardage and put up some points. So defensively, the thing that's been killing me is that defensively, we've had these big moments where you're saying, make a big play, make a big moment, stop, you know, stop them from making a drive. Mike Glennon's going to come out and say, I have nothing to lose. I'm trying to keep my career here. I might get a chance to be a starter next year. And that means that Mike Glennon's going to give us everything he's got. And hopefully this defense comes to play on Sunday. Otherwise it's going to be tough. Yeah, I think Mike Glennon is, like you said, is definitely playing for a starting job or or a key backup job for another team. I just think right now uh, they just look at it as, hey, we have what do we have to lose? Like, what what is there to lose if we go if we go to Minnesota and lose? We were expected to lose, but we don't we don't have a GM. We don't know what our future holds. So the best thing we can do is put out a good tape and hopefully the new GM or the new head coach or another GM for another team will see this film and, and say, hey, I want that guy on my team. So Mike Glennon, I, th- I think he has, a, like you said, he has a lot more to gain than lose. And it's not like they're the devoid of, of weapons. You know, they got a stud young rookie running back in James Robinson, 900 yards on the season, six touchdowns. Uh, and he's also getting it done through the air, uh, you know, a few hundred yards, a couple TDs through the air. A talented group of young receivers, you know, LaVisca Chenault is still there, uh, Keelan Cole Sr., DJ Chalk Jr. They, they have, and Chris Cooley's down there. It's just, this is a group that I actually believe is a pretty talented group, but there hasn't been an ability to consistently get them the ball so far this season. So so you have some weapons down there that the team is going to have to be ready for. Jay, here's the thing that sticks out to me the most. The Jacksonville Jaguars are getting, they're putting up 4.6 yards rushing a game. They are giving up four and a half yards rushing a game. So there, it's literally a wash. We know that this football team is going to want to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. We know that this defense, to be successful, is going to need to stop the run against this young rookie stud. Which direction do you see the teeter-totter of these two similar numbers being weighted this this game? Um, I think the thing, if you're Jacksonville, seeing what other teams have done, even the Panthers last week when they were they were kind of giving you the, the Cannon-Davis combo platter, they were trying to attack our defense on the left-hand side, and they were trying to get outside to the edge and then cut back in where the D-end was a, a Fadi on that one or a Fadi get out, and they'd try to cut back into the linebackers. I think there are teams that are seeing weaknesses on our D-line or at least trying to exploit certain things that they're finding on tape. To me, if they are able to be more disciplined and gap discipline on the defensive line and, the, and the, the linebacker side, we can help shore that up. But there are, have been multiple teams this season that have gone through and tried to attack us. Now, on the flip side... I am one who would lean more towards the opponent side of 4.5 yards per rush 
because it's happening more consistently and at a higher volume. So opponents are getting 1,498 yards rushing this season against Jacksonville, where Jacksonville was getting 1,113. So the, the yards per rush is similar, but opponents are sticking with that running game more often against Jacksonville and, and they're they're gouging them for another, you know, 385 yards over the top in the same amount of games. So for me, I look at this of if they're giving up 136.2 yards per game to their opponents rushing wise, there is no reason minus a, a, a serious injury to Delvin that we would not try and, and increase the the workload for Delvin this week. They have, uh, they have, I'm going to list off a couple of problems that they're struggling with that Viking fans will uh, probably feel like is a familiar noise uh, in terms of the words that I'm going to say. I think it's more dramatic and more pronounced with the Jaguars. And I think these two issues have caused more widespread problems, but they've struggled to get a pass rush going. And I don't, I don't just mean struggled like the Vikings have struggled, Gabe. They are dead last in the league number 32 with 11 sacks they've given up 30 Mm -hmm. 30 sacks and they have only provided 11 sacks and for a guy like Kirk Cousins who you know you really want to get to Kirk Cousins you get some pressure in his face and you collapse a pocket around him this we talked earlier about him putting up a bunch of throws and having a big day he He's got to be pretty excited against a defense that doesn't seem to pressure a quarterback a whole lot. For sure. And you look at that and you say, hey, well, there's going to be a lot of opportunities downfield. The play action pass should work this week because I shouldn't expect somebody to be in my face when I you know, fake the handoff to Dalvin Cook. But I think out of all these numbers that really stand out to me, I think it's the yards per play. The Jacksonville Jaguars are last in the NFL in yards per play with you know giving up 6.3 yards per play we're second in the nfl in yards per play 6.4 so you got to think there's going to be a lot of opportunity with no pass rush with them giving up you know big plays per chunk and i I, it only makes for a for a successful day i'm not i'm not going to say we're going to have a field day against these guys but at the same time when you when you look at it and you say like hey we don't have to worry about pass rushing well look we can you know, do everything that we want to do. We, we can run the ball, get five yards per play. And, you know, a case, okay, let them sack the box. We can throw it over the top. So I think this game just comes down to not just not turning the ball over and, and taking what the defense gives us. Yeah, because that's the other one. The Jacksonville Jaguars has our minus five on turnover ratio. The Vikings, uh, we, we sound like a broken record, but that's, that is the difference in this season for this football team are the turnovers in – Seattle, the turnovers throughout the year, if this team controls possessions and doesn't turn the ball over. And Jay, I think the other thing that you look for when you play against an opponent that you you believe to be inferior, you know, we're not going to insult the Jaguars, but if you look at a team competing for a playoff spot versus a team competing for a top draft pick, there is a disparity here. And what you want, not only in the NFL, what you want is not to not only go in and do what you're supposed to do, which is beat a team that's that's worse than you, but what you also want is you want to you want to beat them in a way that I don't want to say cures your woes, but it it pushes you in the right direction. And for a team that has been committing an awful lot of penalties, for a team that has been turning the ball over on their half of the field, for a team that has been making special teams mistake after special teams mistake, you want to get this win, but you also want to execute on an incredibly high level because if you can get this win, you go into Tampa Bay next week against a team where you have a much smaller margin of error. So let's go out and let's play really well. Let's get this win. And let's also clean up some of the stuff that's been plaguing this team. This team has not played a perfect game at all this season. And that is the thing, even with with going four and one here in the last five, that it, it's still encouraging that you can still get better. But for what we've been doing and, and the mistakes that you've been making, it's been very, very frustrating watching these games saying, why are we shooting ourselves in the foot? You have an opponent now who's coming in at one in 10. They're looking to the offseason. They're ready for the next four to five weeks to be done. Get right with these guys and get some confidence built on all phases, whether it's the offense putting up points, the defense making stops, but special teams wise, knock through some field goals, run your assignments clean, keep your lanes clean, and see if you can just 
play the perfect game and build that confidence for the next week because Tampa's got a bye this week. So Tampa's going to be coming off a bye week. They're going to have two weeks to game plan. They're going to be feeling fresh. And for me, you get this Jacksonville Jaguars team who you are supposed to beat. Do that and do it in a fashion that is dominant, do it in a fashion that gives you some confidence going down to Tampa the following week and that you're going to be able to have your best foot forward and and hopefully minimizing these mistakes that have put you on that razor-thin margin that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. The Voyage delivers unprecedented access to fans who will be able to get inside the office of Coach Mike Zimmer and have an insider's look and listen during his talks with the team. Viewers also hear directly from current Vikings who will be writing outcomes of games through their play on the field. Watch bi-weekly during the NFL season on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch today and find out more at vikings.com slash voyage. Well, our guy Chris Corso was unable to be with us today, but that doesn't mean he couldn't help out the show. Uh, he was able to snag one of my favorite guys on the squad, Brian O'Neill, for an interview. Brian has obviously had a fantastic season. I'm stumping really hard to get him into the Pro Bowl, as we all should be. Get out there and vote for him. Uh, this weekend also, it's our upcoming My Cause, My Cleats game. So uh, you can hear from Brian on how he thinks the season is going and why this weekend means so much to him. So uh, let's get into it. Chris and uh, Brian, go ahead and take it away. What's going on, Vikings fans? Thanks to our friends at Microsoft Teams, we bring in one of the leaders of the Vikings offensive line. It's Brian O'Neill. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. I've been watching you this year, and what's kind of been the biggest change from going from year one, when you're a rookie, playing at that right tackle spot, now it seems like you're just handling guys out there. What's been the biggest difference for you heading into year three, sir? I wouldn't say I'm handling guys. I'm just trying to get a better grip of the offense and try to you know, improve some technical stuff and try to get better every week. I think that's uh, something that's kind of lost in the NFL these days is being able to try to continuously improve week after week. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, the mindset is just try to get to the game on Sunday, but there's still definitely uh, room for improvement and ways that, you know, we can try to get better as individuals and as a group throughout the week. And uh, I'm having fun. That's like the biggest part. It's been a fun group. It's been a fun group of guys to work with. Great coaching staff. It's enjoyable to be around everybody who's here. Watching you play this year, you've been going up against quite the competition. You, you go up against a guy like J.J. Watt one week, then you look up and you see Khalil Mack. Do you ever sit, look up at some of these guys and be like, damn, I got to do this all day, man? <laughs> uh, sometimes. I think it's. I think it was more of a shock factor at first in like my first year or last year. You know, being like, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. And then another guy. And uh, But, you know, the more you're around, the more you realize they're all good players and they're all great players. And you're going to see them every week. And uh, the more you can just treat it like a football game and try not to let the last name beat you is something Riley always tells me is, they make them actually beat you. Don't beat yourself and don't do anything different than you normally would, no matter if it's a big name or a rookie or whoever it is. You got to go out and they got to earn their – they put on the same helmet we do. So I uh, get to go out and battle them every week. Who's been the most fun guy to go up against? It, it's just – it's so fun to just block this guy and be like, I'm, I'm, I'm winning this battle today. I mean, I would say the guys who can uh, have fun and like kind of talk a little bit back and forth, uh, friendly chatter we might call it. Uh, the, you know, the guys who are able to have fun and, you know, talk a little bit of trash without taking it personal. Uh, they know it's a game and they know they're trying to help their team win as much as I am. So uh, I like playing against guys who will go back and forth a little bit. Uh, not chippy, but, you know, not afraid to exchange a few words. I like that aspect of the game. Like, who's the guy that's like, give me an example. Uh, Akeem Hicks talks a lot. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Yeah, he talks a lot. He's really talented. Uh, he's a really good player. And, you know, he's able. he has fun out there and. Uh, you know, we're always going to have a battle against guys like that. Uh, JJ Watt didn't talk that much. Uh, That's a for both of those guys as players, but a couple of the other Texans did. I did a mic'd up against the Texans, and uh, there was a little bit you saw from some linebackers on there. So it's all fun. I like having a little bit of fun out there. A lot of Vikings fans think you're a quiet guy, but talking to some of your teammates, they say you're a loud guy. So I think Vikings fans got to see a little bit of that in that mic'd up. Uh, segment with vikings.com and our crew so uh, kind of some of the big plays like you see dalvin cook break a play you see justin jefferson beat a guy and you're going up to those guys and you're like 
damn, Dalvin, they can't tackle you. Justin, they can't guard you. What, describe that relationship with those playmakers because you're blocking for the pass rush, and then you're going up and you're hyping your guys up. So what's the relationship like with you and the playmakers on this team? Um, I think it's you know the same as it is with all the other guys on this team. Uh, I think we're a really close-knit group. Uh, I mean, we've spent every single day together since like July 20th. So uh, you got to enjoy your like the company you're around every day. And uh, we have a great group on offense. We have a great group on defense. Uh, our locker room is really tight. Uh, they do a great job of bringing in good people here and guys that want to buy in and, uh, you know, work hard for each other and fight for each other. And we have that. And, you know, Dalvin and Justin are just, you know, two more examples of guys that will do that. You know, I, you know, they're going to bring their A game every week. So. Uh, you can't like you can't be slacking off if you got guys like that on the outside. So uh, they're definitely a fun group to play with. In this stretch, the Vikings' offense seems like it has like a different kind of confidence. The the stretch as of late, the last like five games, and obviously against the Carolina Panthers, you guys go on that drive at the end of the game, and you go right down the field and score that game winning touchdown. What was the vibe like in the huddle? Was Kirk like on another level? Did he get in that mode that, that we've seen him in when he's feeling confident? Like, what would, bring us in the huddle. What was that like? Well, first off, I don't think he get, Kirk gets enough you know, credit for everything he does for our offense, for everything he does for our team. And you watch those last you know, two scoring drives we had last week. That was all on him. And I don't think that's pointed out enough or brought up enough how elite he is and how elite he has been for us um, and will continue to be. And he's our leader. He keeps everybody calm. You see how focused he is in the huddle. And there's no panic. There's no, uh, oh, crap. There's no, you know, we got to do this. We got to win right now. You know, he knows exactly how to do it um, and, you know, what, what it's going to take. And he's calm. And it, it allows everybody else to be calm and understand, you know, what gives us the best chance to have success. And, you know, with eight calling the shots back there in a two-minute drive like that, uh, I'm extremely confident in him as long as we can hold up enough for him to have some time back there. Does he ever say anything in the huddle where you're just like, wow, we're th- this is our drive. Like, we're going to score on this drive. Like, give us an example of something he says in the huddle. You're like, wow, he's in that zone today. I think it's just the fact that there's no change in him. Obviously, he understands the situation. We all understand the situation of, hey, it's do or die right now to score on this drive. And the thing that I think we all respect about him the most is his ability to – Block out the, you know, outside circumstances and focus in on okay, how do we gain yards on this play? What is the most, what is the best way for us to gain yards on this play to give us ourselves a chance? And being able to stay in the present and his ability to keep all of us in the present and not worried about what else is going on, uh, is you know a really uh, great leadership quality that he has, and we see it time and time again. Obviously, he won NFC Offensive Player of the Week this week. Obviously, a great honor for you guys, and that's definitely a tribute to yourself as well. Uh, I was going through some YouTube videos of you, and something that comes up when you go on YouTube and search your name is Fat Guy Touchdowns. And I was looking at some of these pits. First of all, I don't think you're fat, so I don't know why that comes up. Appreciate Um, it. Yeah, (laughs) but some of these plays at Pittsburgh when you were in college, like – you have an athletic ability as an offensive lineman that is very unique. So talk us through some of these these touchdowns that you had back in college. And do you ever say, hey, Gary Kubiak, like, put me in on the offensive side of the ball where I can catch a ball? <laughs> uh, well, I'm definitely not asking our coaches for that. I got enough problems trying to do my job uh, and what I'm already asked to do. I got to do that better before I'm, uh, you know, knocking on the door for some O-lineman trick plays. But uh, back in college, it was fun. Um, we had a really creative offensive coordinator at the time, Matt in Canada. He's now the quarterback's coach for the Steelers. Right. Um, and he did a great job with our offense that year. And uh, we were able to have some fun with it. And it was cool. It was a fun experience, but I definitely don't ever expect it again. And uh, I'm, I'm more worried about, you know, trying to block those guys that you were talking about earlier. When you see a guy like Dalvin Cook run past you when you're run blocking, like, is there something that separates him from other players out there? Like, do you see him and you're like, man, this guy's unique? Um, all the time. I mean, just, you know, just the way he runs through people, runs around people, his elusiveness, his electricity, um, his willingness to be a great teammate. He's because he is a great teammate. He's a great leader on our team. He's great in the locker room. Everybody loves him. Um, you know, he's just like a role model in what he does and how he prepares, um, you know, prepares to play a game and how he plays the game. Uh, he has so much fun and joy when he plays and uh, he's competitive as all get out and 
he's not going to back down from anybody. He's going to stand, you know, toe to toe, chin to chin and swing his best shot. And he doesn't care about the result. And I think that's something we can all learn from is, Hey, no matter what we know four is going to be running back there, uh, running, running his tail off really hard and he's not going to back down. So neither can we. The guy next to you, Ezra Cleveland. I know he's missed the past few games with that ankle injury, but what kind of uh, impact has he had on the offensive line? I, I think when the two of you are out there run blocking and pass blocking, it's it's tough to get by you. So uh, what, what what kind of impact has he had on the group? I know you guys are all close-knit. Um, you know, he's a great player. He, it's fun to have a young guy who really cares that much. You know, we had one last year with Garrett as a rookie. Uh, I think I'd like to care when I was a rookie. I thought I cared a lot. Um but he really cares and it's important to him that we can rely on him. And that's something I really respect as a young guy coming in is, you know, he wants a lot of responsibility and he wants us to be able to trust him. And we do. And um, he studies hard. He prepares hard. Uh, he has fun at practice. He has fun in the locker room. It's really cool to, you know, see his development from training camp in the early weeks in terms of being Ezra the person. Yeah. Uh, he's a lot more comfortable with us. He talks a little bit more. He cracks a little bit more jokes. You get to see his sense of humor a little bit. So um, it's fun to see him comfortable because he is, because he's a great player and he's going to be here for a long time. And uh, I'm really excited about his future and you know how far he's grown so much this year. The guy in the middle, Garrett Bradbury, I know you're close with him as well. What what does it mean to kind of come up with these guys? You guys are all like around the same age, a couple of years apart, but what's it like coming up with him? I know you guys have a great bond and, and we had you with on um, with Kirk last year and you guys were, I mean, you might have to have your own show on the Vikings entertainment network. Cause you guys are great together. Just let us know whenever that happens, but maybe yeah. me and Garrett will take over 96 questions one day. I know. What are we doing? Why are we wasting time here? I mean, come on, man. Uh, no, I have a great relationship with Garrett. Um, you know, it's fun to be able to come in, you know, similar time. He's actually older than me, even though I've been here for a year longer. Um, we're really close. I put, you know, I have, uh, unbelievable amount of trust in Garrett, no matter what, whatever happens, we're going to get up to the line. He's going to put us in the right spot. Uh, I'll defer to him more times than not, instead of, you know, uh, making my own opinion, I'll ask Garrett just because I know he, he's got it going on, uh, with the X's and O's and he does a great job with Kirk and kind of leading our whole offensive line. Um, pretty much everything we do runs through, uh, him and what he calls and he's putting us in the right places and. Uh, I think you've seen the improvement he made from year one to year two so far, and it's only going to get better just knowing the guy he is and how hard he works. Uh, he's going to be an elite center in the league for a long time. I, I believe it just because I know how he works and I know what he's capable of and uh, love playing with him, love playing with them both. Five and six. What's your expectations going forward here with these next couple games? A lot of, I mean, every game is a playoff game at this point. Absolutely. I mean, my expectation is, you know, come out and play the best possible game we can this Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars because that's the only one that matters. And being able to go out there and play hard and play physical and hopefully get a win, uh, that's at the top of all of our lists. A hundred percent. And last thing, I want to ask you about the uh, My Cause, My Cleats initiative. All you guys are, you guys really show love to all these different organizations. For you, it's Autism Delaware, I believe. So tell us about that um initiative and, and what it means to you so last year i did autism speaks like a national organization yeah. um, my rookie year i did special olympics and this year i did autism delaware uh it's a little more focused for me i have a 31 year old sister with autism um very low functioning and uh among other disabilities and autism delaware uh, is a great organization in my hometown that helps a lot of families uh with resources to for care um education um, all these, a bunch of different resources in order to help the families of, uh, people who have autism and, um, you know, help them grow and be able to have better lives. And, uh, I just wanted to share some light on that organization because they do a lot of great things for people in my hometown. So, um, no, it's pretty cool. Awesome, Brian. Well, thanks. I mean, you got a good thing going this season. We, we appreciate you taking the time and Man, I can't wait till we're able to actually interact with you guys in person when all this stuff is over. I know it'll be great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Huge thank you to Chris Corso and, of course, Brian O'Neill for taking a couple of minutes. We're really looking forward to Brian having a great game this weekend. Uh, quick reminder, guys, it is game day any day when you play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. 
Com. Well, fellas, from Chris Corso and Brian O'Neill, over to our guy Eric Smith, who had the chance to once again interview the Jacksonville Jaguars team reporter this week, Ashlyn Sullivan, uh, team reporter and host for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They talked about a tough season so far, the bright spots on offense and defense, and what the keys are for Jacksonville to get their second win of the season. So take it away, Eric and Ashlyn. I'm Viking team reporter Eric Smith, and I'm very happy to be joined today by Ashlyn Sullivan, who is the digital reporter and team host for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ashlyn, thank you so much for coming on today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I hope you guys are staying warm up there. Uh, We are. We are. We're trying to. It's definitely uh, probably a lot warmer in Jacksonville, although... This game Sunday is in Minnesota. It's at U.S. Bank Stadium, and it'll actually be Jacksonville's first trip to our new stadium in a couple of years. So, we're I'm sure they're looking forward to that. You know, it's been a probably been a tough season for the Jaguars. Uh, you know, they're one in ten on a ten game losing streak at the moment. I've noticed they've been competitive the last couple of games, especially against Houston and Cleveland. I guess what what have you seen from the makeup of the team? kind of as they continue to fight for their second win of of 2020. Yeah, it's been, it's really been interesting the past couple of weeks because they have been so competitive and in these games until the fourth quarter and in in three of the past four games, it's been to the final drive. I mean, I think that's what is the most frustrating part is they are going toe to toe with these playoff contenders and it just isn't resulting in a win. But sadly, the biggest thing that it boils down to the past 10 weeks since the losing streak started is you have the effort, you have the fight. It's not a, a lack of effort. And we've seen that before with, with losing streaks. You can see if a team has packed it in. This isn't the case. It sadly just seems to be the lack of talent on the field and definitely injuries as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. For example, you had undrafted rookie Luke Barku, who is the third cornerback going against Jarvis Landry last week. So when you look at it on paper, you're like, this, this isn't a fair matchup. But then they go out there and they fight and there's effort and it's close. But all in all, it just doesn't seem like the talent on the field is enough to get over the hump the past 10 weeks. You mentioned that player being an undrafted free agent rookie. And there's, there's another undrafted rookie that's caught my eye so far. And that's running back James Robinson. He posted his fourth 100-yard rushing game on Sunday. And he's closing in on 1,000 yards. What's made his rookie season such a success so far? He is an incredible story. And I, and I won't even lie to you. If anyone says they could have saw this coming, I think they're lying to you because we go back to training camp in August. And that was when Leonard Frenette was on the team and the obvious starter and conversations were starting to be had. Like you really shouldn't should watch out for this James Robinson kid. He's really lightening up in training camp. We're like, all right, you know, I think he makes the team. And then one morning they, they, send Leonard Fournette to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we're thinking, what in the world is going on? And they said, you know, James Robinson flat out just got this spot. He had an opportunity, took advantage of it, and made it his. And now he's the starting running back well on his way to an 1,000-yard season. Um, And I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. But an incredible story. And the coolest thing is he hasn't changed at all. Very, very quiet, low-key guy. Um, Press conferences aren't his thing. And he hasn't really taken in that limelight. He was asked about the Pro Bowl, for example, today. And he was like, yeah, it'd be kind of cool, I guess. So kind of just brushing off the accolades and going to work every week. I know Jacksonville has had to rely on him quite a bit this season. There's been a little bit of turnover and kind of ups and downs at the quarterback situation. What's sort of the vibe with that group as we head into week 13? Frankly, it seems as of now that the long-term franchise answer isn't on the roster. As of now, I think it's fairly obvious that the Jaguars will have to address a quarterback in the first round of the draft. So right now it's kind of trying to figure out who gives you the best chance to win right here, right now. And they've given all three a shot. Um, As of right now, Mike Glennon will start it. And I think you're going to see Doug Marone go down that road. He wants a veteran presence. Mike Glennon played well last week. And they just are unsure if Gardner Minshew is 100% healthy. And Doug Marone has said, as, as long as we know that that thumb is 110%. I don't want to take any chances getting him out there. Um, I think if, if you were looking long-term into the future, I think Jaguars fans would like to see Jake Luton, the rookie, go in there because he did show some potential, but right now they just don't have the time to progress and take time with him. They got to win right here, right now, and 
Doug Marone has said Mike Lennon is the best shot for that. Yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to see Mike Lennon on Sunday. Uh, I think the Vikings have seen him once before in, in the past. Uh, but how about on defense? Who, who's kind of a bright spot on defense? Who's kind of stepped up for that unit so far, you know, despite all the losses? It, uh, there's a couple, but I'll go with, with Miles Jack, who was the middle linebacker last season, got moved over to weak side and has really flashed and seemed so much more comfortable in that position that's the position he played in college at UCLA. And you just see him making so many more plays, uh, really playmaking ability has risen and playing much more free and stress-free. I think the middle linebacker last year for him was a bit overwhelming, and he admitted that. So now that he's in his natural position, you're seeing the Miles Jack that we saw back in 2017 with the AFC Championship. We're seeing that Miles again. Um, so that's been very fun to see. And another one that's super unfortunate was nose tackle Devon Hamilton who was a rookie out of Ohio State. And he was really progressing every single week to the point where we started talking about Pro Bowl accolades for him and unfortunately just went on injured reserve last week. So that was definitely a bummer because he was taking steps every single week. But those are two that have been bright spots in a, a difficult year. We'll get you out of here with this final question. You kind of touched on it a little bit with the quarterback situation, but you know, at one in 10 and with five games to go, what would define success for Jacksonville in these final five games? I think it's got to be you got to you got to win a few games that no one expects you to win. You got to squeak a few out here that no one sees coming. Um, and I do think if they if they beat one team, if it is the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday or someone else this year, that one win will be so sweet. And maybe it does lead to a few more. But this team is trying so hard, and it's been great to see that there's been no finger pointing. I mean, every week they come to play, and we're at the point now where Jaguars fans, especially on shows, are like, no, don't win, don't ruin draft position, but this team in the here and now does not care about that. Doug Rome doesn't have time to care about that, so one win when you're not expecting it, and as of right now, they're not expected to win any other game this season, they're not going to be favored. Um, I think it would mean a lot to this team. Awesome. We, we definitely appreciate your time, and thank you for all the great insight. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Eric. And, of course, thank you, Ashlyn, for diving into this Sunday's matchup. Guys, before we get out of here, uh, let's talk playoff scenarios. Playoffs. The ESPN playoff machine is back, boys. I saw it before this last week's game. Because I'm, I'm the sort of idiot who is in, like, Facebook fan groups of the Vikings. I don't know why I do it. I don't, if, if you – like, uh, let me explain to you what a, 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 a Minnesota Vikings Facebook fan group is. It's three things, right? It's 60,000 or so people, and they post three things. One, Kirk is amazing. You see what he did this weekend, haters? Or they post – Kirk sucks. Even though it was good, he still sucks. We're haters. Or they just post a picture of them in a Vikings jersey in a state that's not Minnesota. <laughs> they're, uh, they're very generally unenjoyable, but I can't leave them. And this weekend before the, uh, the game against the Carolina Panthers, somebody posted, the Vi if the Vikings beat the Panthers – the Cardinals lose and the Bears lose. And then the following week, they beat the Jags and the Rams beat the Cardinals. The Vikings would officially be in charge of their own destiny, despite the roller coaster that this season was. And wouldn't you know, the first half of all that stuff came through. So we're walking into this weekend, Gabe, knowing that if we can beat a Jacksonville Jaguars team that seems beatable, and the Rams, who are a bit of an enigma, but in my opinion, might sneakily be the best team in the NFC. If they can beat a struggling Cardinals team, you could wind up Sunday afternoon, despite all the garbage that's happened all year, officially in a playoff spot. And then you get to go play the Buccaneers to try to hold on to it. That's exciting. That's exactly what you want also. I mean, you got a team that... <laughs> Like you said, Arizona Cardinals team that are still trying to figure out who they are. But more importantly, we have to figure out who we are against the Jacksonville Jaguars, like Jay stated earlier. And if we do that, the Arizona Cardinals lose. It puts us in a good scenario. But at the same time, I always say there are four quarters to a season. With 16 games, you set, you set the season up into fours. We beat Jacksonville. We're in the playoff hunt. 
You got the last quarter of the season to prove who you really are. And I think the Vikings, they, they, they got a pretty good shot of doing so. I mean, you, you, you still one of those games against Tampa Bay or New Orleans and then beat the Bears or, or the uh, Detroit Lions. I, I think you put yourself, you, you make a good argument to say, hey, we are a playoff team and teams are starting to take you serious at that point because you, you go on a run late. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. I, and I, I think it's not just steal one of those games. I think you're going to have to get at least one of those games, if not two of them. I think the interesting thing for this squad and their young players is since this past week with the Carolina Panthers, they're essentially going to be in, in a win or you're done situation for the rest of the year. Because if you look at the three teams competing for that final spot, the, the Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Vikings, I guess Maybe the Chicago Bears make a run at it, but it's not looking great for them right now. And the Rams, I think, are a step above everybody. You, you look at these schedules, you got a, a, a Cardinals team that, that bookends with the Rams. They play the Rams now, and they play the Rams week 17. And then it's Giants, Eagles, Niners, two pretty winnable games and one division game. That's not a terrible schedule for them. You look at the Minnesota Vikings, you know, yes, Jacksonville seems like it's an advantageous game, but I don't care what Chicago and Detroit are going through. They're divisional opponents. We have two divisional opponents and then two top-tier teams in the Bucs and the Saints. The, the Bucs themselves getting the bye, if they can get by the us, the Minnesota Vikings, they go Atlanta, Detroit, Atlanta, to close the season. So basically what the Vikings, the Vikings aren't going to be able to rely on anybody else, Jay, in my opinion, you can't, you can't beat the Jags, slip up against the Bucks, beat the bears, slip up against the saints and think you're going to get into the playoffs. I think you're going to have to take control of your own destiny by winning this weekend and hoping that, you know, if the Cardinals lose, you're going to have to take control of your own destiny. And then you're going to have to execute all the way out. Cause I just think it stacks too heavily in the other directions for the other two teams you're competing with. Yeah. And part of it for me too, is that it'd be one thing if we had kind of stumbled and had a couple wins, a couple losses, a couple wins, and we got to this point where we were five and six. But for me, the thing about it is you were one in five and you've been in, we are in crisis mode. We are in win now mode and we have to do this for the rest of the season. This team essentially for the last four weeks and for the rest of the season are in win or go home mode. So for me, the nice thing about this is that they can't rest and they know it. And it's not like they're going to be able to, to rest on their laurels and say, well, maybe Arizona is going to help us out and maybe the Rams might help us out, et cetera, et cetera. They know they have to take care of their own business. And I think Zimmer's had them laser focused on that at least for the last month if not longer. So for me, the best part is that you've put together this four and one, you know, you have a very small margin of error. And so handle your own business, take care of a Jags team, and then go get those hard ones and make sure that you're doing what you can and prove to yourself that you belong here, especially in this playoff hunt. Yeah. I, I just think these next few, well, four games after Jacksonville, I'm trying not, I'm trying my hardest not to overlook Jacksonville after all we've talked about through this show. But after we take care of Jacksonville, if you don't go to the home of Super Bowl 55 and take care of your business against the GOAT and then come back home, beat the Chicago Bears, and then on Christmas when everybody's watching and don't take care of business, I, I, I personally don't think you deserve to go to the playoffs. So I'm sure Zimmer has those guys um, all all on board or, if, you know, one game at a time. But at the same time, hey, there's there's a lot more than just a game to make the playoffs. Hey, we we want to make the Super Bowl here, man. Like that's that is every team's goal each year. And this year you have a chance to go to the actual site and, and do it and, and control your own destiny. So uh, we everybody says we got the the New Orleans Saints uh, number, but at the same time they're looking at it as hey, we, we know the Vikings. They're always our our Achilles heel. So let's go take care of business. So there's there's a lot. Like there, there's a lot to play for these past five weeks. And Jay and, and Chris get tired of me talking about this, but I'm not a one-year Viking fan. I want to be as good as we possibly can be this year. I want to go as far as we possibly can. But I understood very early in the season what this was. With no offseason, with a ton of young players, I wanted, to, I wanted us to play important games late in the season. I wanted a shot at the playoffs. Hell, if this team turns into a Super Bowl team, that makes a run great. But, but the big thing for me was hoping that all this draft capital and all these young guys and second-year guys progressed. So as you lost 
a Xavier Rhodes and you lost an Everson Griffin and you lost these veterans that were the old guard that you felt like there was a new guard that was coming alive that could give you hope and, and carry you past the idea of, of a teardown and into the idea of competition for years to come here. And I, I really think we've seen a lot of life with that. I think, you know, everybody was excited about Dantzler early on and they still are, but man, Jeff Gladney has come on. I, we don't even need to mention Justin Jefferson. Uh, everybody in the league is already doing it constantly. You know, there, there's DJ just Wanham. Eric Wilson. Yeah. DJ Wanham, who, who is now not only stepping up, I mean, he gets that big, Field goal block last week. He just seems to be making plays week in and week out. So now we've gotten that. That was a thing I wanted. I wanted to look at this squad and go, there's a group of dudes who are going to be big-time contributors for this team for a few years to come at the very least. Check. Accomplished. Now I want to see what happens when the money's on the line. So if you can get Jacksonville – and somehow Arizona loses this weekend, hell, even if they don't. But let's say they do. You now have a four-game stretch where you can't rely on your youth as an excuse anymore. You can't play mistake-laden football anymore. You have now had 12 games to grow and prove that you belong and prove that, ha- that this team has a future. And now you have four games to really impress those points into the league. So I, to me especially given the way this season started, this is the best case scenario for this football team. With all the struggles and all the problems, you're walking forward and you have a chance to do something meaningful for the psyche of the players and the organization and the team going forward. Uh, Speaking of the team going forward, a lot of players made big steps forward this year uh, and Pro Bowl voting has been Gun. You got to go to NFL.com and vote for your favorite Vikings. I'm going to throw a few names out. You can go vote for whoever's your favorite. I suggest just vote for all of them. They all deserve it. But Eric Kendrick's having a monster year. The other Eric, Eric Wilson, stepping up and making splash play after splash play. Harrison Smith, once again, being Harrison Smith. Everybody knows Delvin Cook's in the MVP conversation. Let's talk about some offensive linemen. Garrett Bradbury coming awake as one of the best young centers in the league this year after a, after a growth season last year. Uh, Brian O'Neill, I can't say it enough. This dude is a pro bowler, whether he gets the votes or not. So give him the votes he deserves. And a guy that has gone from trade rumors to pro bowl conversations, Riley Reef has really been a steady staple for this team this year as this offensive line has taken steps forward. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, on and on and on and on. Get out to NFL.com and vote for your favorite Vikings. Uh, also, check out this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins. He had uh, Offensive Hero of the Week, Chad Beebe on. They talked about everything that happened in the emotional roller coaster on Sunday. Uh, remember to tune in to Vikings Post Game Live every week, 15 minutes after each game from inside U.S. Bank Stadium. You get a breakdown of the game including highlights, stats, analysis, and more. Uh, Vikings.com, the Vikings app, Vikings social media channels. Our boy, Gabe Henderson, and our not-here boy, Chris Corso, host Vikings Vantage Friday nights, 6.30 p.m. on KFAN. This week, their special guest is CJ Ham. Uh, you can check out those shows on and everything else uh, on any podcast app, anywhere you get Minnesota Vikings content or Vikings.com. Com. Uh, it's it, it feels to me like it's it might not be official, but it's win or go home from here on out, guys. So as we walk into this weekend's game, Gabe, what's what's the one thing you'll really be looking for against the Jaguars on Sunday? Uh, I'm really looking forward to see if we can hold on to the ball first and foremost, and then play a mistake free game with no penalties. If we can do that against a team that are still trying to find their identity, I think we we build confidence heading into the last portion of the season. So mistake-free football, mental errors, none of that. Maybe defense get a, you know, a pick six or a fumble recover for a touchdown. We haven't had any defensive touchdowns this year. Maybe I'm asking too much, but let's just start off with no mental errors this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars.
Love it. Jay Nelson? Stop a hot rookie and James Robinson. You know, he's ripping off 130 plus a game at this point. And uh, he's very, very, very good. And we cannot rest on our laurels. And since everyone's been attacking our defensive line, especially trying to stretch him outside, I'm sure that the Jaguars are going to come with a similar game plan. So stop James Robinson this weekend and make a Mike Glennon have to to throw on this team to try to win a game. If that's the case, we'll be able to smother them and, and get another win and march towards Tampa. I'm going to go with offensive evolution. Uh, and, and I don't mean that like we don't have an evolved offense. I mean, given everything we've talked about in this show, the rise of a couple of young wide receivers, you know, uh, in the absence of Adam Thielen, now Adam Thielen's coming back. Kirk's performance last week. The fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars don't pressure the quarterback very well. This is an opportunity, if you're playing well, to really put some things on tape that Bruce Arians has to think about that Sean Payton is going to have to think about, that Matt Nagy is going to have to think about. You, we, we can absolutely go down, and you might see the Vikings win this game 14-10. to 10. But it wouldn't make me super upset if you saw them win it 35-13, to, to 13 and you went, holy, holy sh**. Did you see how they used Thielen and Jefferson in that game? Oh, my gosh. Alexander Madison had four. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know how it is. That's why I'm a dumb podcast host and not a coach of a football team. But I think I think Gary Kubiak – I mean, this is a guy who's done this forever. He's helped quarterbacks be successful on top of really successful running games. People forget he gave Joe Flacco the best season of his entire career. So he has the great running game. He's built the platform. We're now in the stretch run of the season. What sort of shingles is Gary Kubiak going to put on this house? What sort of windows and siding is he going to put on this house as we walk into a playoff stretch here and make other coaches have to prepare for what I think all three of us would agree is an offense that is very capable of being dynamic. So, uh, boys – We'll see you next week. I hope I felt so enthused after that big bears game. And then I didn't even want to do the podcast the next week. I was so pissed off. So let's hope here's to hoping that our enthusiasm doesn't become size melting down anger. That doesn't want to do another show. And let's hope we're sitting back here next week talking about a big game against the Tampa Bay, the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see you guys next. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yuck. See you next week.